Alhamdulillah 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 Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina may yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu may yudlilhu fala hadiya lahu wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa nashhadu anna muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu وصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم الذين يؤمنون بالغيب صدق الله العظيم My beloved brothers and sisters we praise Allah we thank Allah we praise we thank we lovingly appreciate Allah and thus we say alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanastainuhu, we seek His help. Wanastaghfiruhu, we seek His forgiveness. Wanu'minubihi, wanatawakalu alayh. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And you and I know that whomever Allah guides, none can misguide, and whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings on his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and many more, and many more. Kathiran kathira. And once again, very briefly, my beloved brothers and sisters, I ask you the same question that I ask every single time I stand before you, and that is for you and I to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves what is changing. So look at the condition of your heart, compare it with last week, compare it with a month ago, compare it with the beginning of the school year, or even the beginning of the summer. And look at what you are good at in terms of your heart. And what do I mean by that? How much trust do you have for Allah in your heart? And this is a point we're going to discuss in a moment, inshallah. How much fear do you have in your heart? How much hope do you have in your heart? And then from there, look at the condition of your actions, the same points that I mentioned over and over again. What is the condition of your acts of worship, especially your daily prayers? So for example, whether we look at today, or we look at yesterday, or look at how we've been for the past week, what prayers, if any, have I been consistent upon? Where do I need to improve? And as well as performing the prayers and the quality of the prayer. Maybe some of us perform all five consistently, Maybe for some of us, even coming here is an accomplishment. And remember, you'll be rewarded for coming here, and you'll be rewarded for all of those uh, prayers that you've made. So I'm not giving you this opportunity to look at yourself as bad. Again, what are we looking at? What do I do consistently, and where can I improve? And then look from there, from the, your condition of your heart to your actions, look at your relationships. What is the nature of your relationships? How do you speak to people? How do you speak about people? How much do you cultivate your friendships? This is something that gets especially important as you get older, as you move out of college life, as, as you move out of study, and whether you start uh, your life as a physician or uh, living in the corporate world, then you'll find yourself suddenly depleted of friends. And then that's the real question, who are the people that you've cultivated your friendships with? Okay. So look at that right now. What is the nature of your friendships right now? And what is the effort you're putting into your friendships right now? And then even wider, look at what is happening in our society and look at what is happening on our globe. And starting with what's happening on our globe, the atrocities that take place in Syria, for example, 
just become more and more mind-boggling in terms of what is happening in Aleppo for the past week, actually for the past two weeks in particular, is shocking, where the only thing you can say is la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There is no power, no strength except for Allah, which means what? Only Allah could allow these things to happen. And what to think of Syria? We have Palestine, we have Iraq, we have Afghanistan, we have <coughs> Somalia, where new destruction is taking place, Nigeria, the Sudan, etc., etc. And it really seems like every single Muslim population in the world is a big mess. Look throughout the entire world, look at every Muslim population at the national level and see if you can think of one that is not a big mess. Some are bigger messes, some are smaller messes, but it is something that can be disturbing. Because if you and I are the carriers of something from God, we have something that is better than anyone else has, we have something that's better than anyone else can produce. So look at what is happening all across the globe. But much of that is outside of my responsibility and is outside of my control. What is in my responsibility, undoubtedly, and what is in my control is how I conduct myself. Because as we've mentioned many times, your character individually has impact on what is taking place around you. And at the collective level, what is character? It is justice. That if people in a community are of bad character, there is no way you will have justice in that society. So before I'm looking overseas to see all the big messes that are taking place, and they're breaking my heart, and they're tearing me down, and I'm putting in whatever smaller big efforts to help them, do not also do it at the cost of your own character. Do not do it at the cost of your own iman. That becomes part of the test. So once again, my beloved brothers and sisters, evaluate what is your condition. And keep evaluating your condition. Even if at night you have to look at what you've done. And this is an exercise I mentioned last time and I'm mentioning again. Do muhasaba. At night before you go to sleep, of course some of you go to sleep in the morning, but at night before you go to sleep, the point being, look at how you spent your day. How much of your time did you spend in service of dunya? I'm not saying that's bad, we're here, we're here to get an education, to get jobs and such. That's dunya. That's good. How much of your time did you spend in terms of your akhirah? And of course, as mentioned before, the best of deeds are those that benefit you in dunya and in akhirah. So all of those of you who are pre-meds and you're too embarrassed to say that you're pre-meds just because your parents want you to be pre-meds, think about what you're doing. You're doing an act of obedience to your parents. So if you became a physician, if you become a physician just because your parents want you to do it, 30 years from now, as you are a physician, every day you're at work, you are fulfilling in obedience to your parents. So you're getting dunya and you're getting akhirah. So don't be embarrassed when I ask you, are you a pre-med? And you're like, yeah. Say, yeah, my parents want me to be, and I'm such a good person, I'm obeying my parents. In any case, my point, my beloved brothers and sisters, is keep taking a look at yourself. Of course, the best of actions are those that help your dunya and your akhirah, and the worst of actions are those that help neither. That are complete wastes of time. Thankfully, because your student loads are so huge, it gets hard to waste time, but still look at how much time you waste. At times when I was in college and I would take the largest possible load I could of classes, I noticed I still wasted the same amount of time I did if I took half that load. That's something that you and I can control. But there's something else that also affects our faith that comes up over and over again when we speak of students but it doesn't end. It may decrease as we get older. 
And that is, in the general sense, dealing with the unknown. Now, what is the unknown for many of us in this room? Will I get the, the satisfactory grade on this test or on this paper? But what is that a part of? Will I get admission into the program I'm trying to get admission into? And what is that a larger part of? Or what is that a small part? What larger part is that a small part of? Will I have the lifestyle that I'm seeking to live with some degree of having to live without worry? Right? I mean, that's why most of us are in school. It may be for, for the work. It may be for the income. It may be for the prestige. But ultimately, at the, end, at the end of the day, why are we working? So we can have food on our plate and a roof over our heads, perhaps some companionship, and to have some degree of comfort. So think about this, my beloved brothers and sisters. When you look at one of the biggest unknowns in our lives, your future, how much trust do you have in Allah about your future? And this is a point that we make over and over again as a reminder that if the default relationship that Allah Ta'ala has, which every one of us is rahma, is mercy or this intimating mercy, then the default of what I should expect from Allah in my future whether we speak 20 years from now, 10 years from now, or 10 minutes from now, is Rahmah. And then my challenge is to recognize and appreciate the Rahmah. So start with the moment that you're in right now, once again, to do this as an exercise. Many of us have all kinds of things on our minds right now, whether it's schoolwork, or even personal challenges, or just outright fear, whatever the case may be. But right now, you and I are in this moment of comfort. Okay? on these luxurious plush carpets, in this comfortable room, with this wonderful light that is coming from the sky. And what am I saying? All of us know this, and it's easy to take it for granted, but take a moment and appreciate this as a rahman that Allah Ta'ala is giving you in this moment, while you may at the same time be going through other huge struggles in your life. And do that as a reminder to yourself that tomorrow, you will be able to find many points in your day where you are receiving the Rahmah of Allah, whether or not you realize it, whether or not you acknowledge it. Which then means 10 days from now, you'll be receiving Rahmah from Allah, whether or not you realize it, whether or not you acknowledge it, a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. But you have to do this consciously. You have to go out of your way and notice all the wondrous things that Allah Ta'ala is putting around you. Because it's so easy to take for granted. Think about when you leave this building and you go to your next destination, whether it's a class or whether it's a train or whether it's the parking garage, what have you. And notice how many trees that you see along the way. We take trees for granted. I mean, trees are such an important part of our environment, but it's so easy to, to just look at them as decoration. But my point is, be mindful of the moment that you're in and that can then help you appreciate the Rahmah that is in your world. And that could then help you appreciate that when you look at your future, no matter how many struggles you go through, you're still going to be surrounded by Rahmah. And you will go through struggles. Right? Over the course of my life, I look at all these huge struggles that were huge for me. Huge, huge struggles. Where I was in positions of tremendous darkness, wondering where the light is. But here I am standing, mashallah, right? And every one of you will have the same thing. One of the nice things about getting old is that when you get hit with struggle at this age, 
Then you start remembering, well, I've been through this, and I've been through this, and I've been through this, and I've been through this. Okay, this new struggle, I'll get through. This new struggle is painful. This new struggle makes me miserable, but I will get through it because Allah Ta'ala has gotten me through everything else. That's easier to appreciate when you're in your 40s than when you're in your 20s. But when you're in your 20s, remind yourself that you will get through. This is all part of the unknown. And what am I saying? That our default relationship with the unknown should be trust. And trust is frightening because our world is very cynical today. Even more cynical it was than when I was in college. Our world is very frightening today. I mean, think about it. In about a month, a little over a month, there's going to be this election. And who knows what's going to happen in our society after this election? And frankly, who knows what's going to happen in our society before the election leading up to it? Think about how crazy this past year has been. But even then, we'll get through. Okay? So remind yourself of the big struggles you've had in your life that you've made it through. Okay? Because you'll especially need that sometimes to remind yourself when you get hit with more struggles. That is one aspect of the unknown, your future. Another aspect of the unknown, what is this person thinking about me? Meaning, another unknown for you and I is someone else's heart. Whether we're speaking about a teacher, what does this teacher think about me when I'm submitting my homework? What does this teacher think about me when I'm in class or not in class? Or what is this person whose attention I'm trying to get is thinking about me? Or that group of people, what are they thinking about me? This is something that's easy to get caught up into. right? Every one of us does at different ages. I mean, you don't grow out of it. One thing that's interesting is that when you're in your 20s, you're worried about what people think of you. When you're in your 40s, you don't really care. When you're in your 60s, I'm told that you realize no one actually thinks of you, so who cares? Why are you worried about it? But the point I'm making, my beloved brothers and sisters, this is another unknown that you and I have to contend with. And it's also a choice. Just like I'm saying, it is a choice for me to look at my future as something that will definitely have rahmah, it is my choice that when I'm wondering what this person is thinking about me, it is my choice to say, inshallah, nothing that I need to worry about. And what am I saying? Sometimes, again, we need to remind ourselves. These people are talking about something. I know they've, they've talked about me. They've said such and such, things, such and such things about me. Inshallah, it is meaningless. It is harmless, no matter how bad it is. Because this is something that often happens when students come to my office. You know, these people are saying all these nasty things about me. Or these other people have been doing all these nasty things behind my back. Right? And what am I saying? Even then, what should be your default outlook about that unknown? Is trust in Allah that whatever is being said or done is meaningless and harmless. Sometimes it is not, definitely. But for the most part, most of it is. Okay? So all the time I'm speaking in these khutbahs about the dangers of backbiting. That backbiting is taking a match, dropping it into a dry forest, and expecting it to go out. But then what might happen? It might burn down the entire forest. But now I'm speaking about you and I when we wonder if we're the victims of backbiting, if we're the targets of backbiting. And what am I saying? This is part of the unknown. Consciously think to yourself, inshallah, I'll be fine. Because it's so easy to get worried about things like your reputation. I can list for you, I could try to list for you how many people there are in Chicago who absolutely despise me for some of the things that I've done, right? And some of it I haven't earned. But the point I'm making here is that every one of us is going to take hits in our reputation, but you'll still be okay, inshallah. So think about these unknowns, and now let us take a moment to ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness.
نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And there's another type of unknown. One type of unknown is what is in my future. Another type of unknown is what are people saying and thinking about me. Some of us also go through struggles of faith. Right? How do I know if this is really true? How do I know if this is really the word of God? How do I know if there's any point to my prayers? And I know many of us in this room have not gone through that, but many of us in this room definitely have. And it's natural. It is so natural that if it wasn't, Allah Ta'ala would not be talking about it three pages into the Qur'an. Right? Ayah 23, Ayah 24 of Al-Baqarah, about three or four pages in the Qur'an where Allah Ta'ala says, if you have doubt about what we have sent down to our messenger, then do, or our servant, then do the following. Peace be upon the servant. Okay? Allah Ta'ala of all is saying this, if you have doubt. And you're not being condemned for your doubt. Take this a step further. We might not use the word doubt. Go near the end of the surah. This is 20 ayahs into the surah. 20 ayahs before the end of the surah, we have Ibrahim alayhi salam, one of the super prophets of Allah, peace be upon him, is asking Allah, can you show me how you give life to the dead? Now think about this scenario. Super prophet is saying this. Okay? We just had Hajj. We just had Eid. We're commemorating his story. He is of such stature that Allah Ta'ala speaks of him as an ummah on his own, a nation on his own. And not only that, he's already in conversation, two-way conversation with Allah. Most of us are in one-way conversation. He's in two-way conversation with Allah, and even then he is asking, Allah, can you show me how you give life to the dead? Okay. All of us will say, yeah, of course Allah can do it. But he wants to have conviction in his heart, right? That's my inna al-qulub. He is asking for Allah. Allah Ta'ala asks him, do you not believe? He says, I want the satisfaction of my heart. And what am I saying to, about this, my beloved brothers and sisters? That if he can have those questions, it is completely natural and understandable that you and I might have questions about our deen. And even more than that, you and I might have questions about our future. You and I might have questions about the hearts of other people. Okay? And then Allah Ta'ala gives him a, step, a set of steps to go through, which he does, and his heart gets satisfied. Now back to what takes place at the beginning of the surah. If you have doubt about what Allah has sent down to his messenger, the Prophet, peace be upon him, which means what? If you have doubt about Allah, does he exist? If you have doubt about the Prophet, peace be upon him, is he what we think he is? If you have doubt about the Qur'an, then Allah Ta'ala gives you a prescription. As you know, come up with something that can go head to head with the Qur'an. The mistake we make is we often call this a challenge to the whole world. No, in this point, this is a prescription for doubt. In Surah Hud, you have very similar ayahs. Those are challenges that were given to the Kuffar of Mecca. Here, it is a prescription that if you have doubt, what do you need to do? You need to get to know the Qur'an and you need to go read everything else. And compare them head to head. Which means what? Allah Ta'ala is telling you to use the maximum of your intellect as you approach the Qur'an and the maximum of your intellect as you read everything else. And Allah Ta'ala is saying, you're not going to be able to find anything that can compare. But what is the point of the prescription? You have to go through the process. If you don't go through the process, your doubt is going to remain. Okay. 
And I've had this experience quite a few times with students who will come to me with doubt and I'll say, okay, here's what you need to do. Get to know the Quran and read anything and, every, every, read anything and everything else, whether we talk about the histories of philosophy or scriptures of, of other traditions, so you can get satisfaction of your heart. And often what I get in response is eye rolls. Yeah, I don't want to do that. And I'm telling you, wallahi, some of those people, I don't even know if they're in Islam anymore. Because what is the nature of doubt? Doubt is like you have a beautiful mansion, your deen, your iman. Yet there's a leaky pipe, and it's just dripping and dripping. And you know it's dripping, but you're trying not to think about it, hoping the problem will go away. But then what happens? It seeps into the wood, and it seeps into the brick, and then at some point the entire house collapses. So what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? When you're dealing with the unknown, your default should be trust. But if you're dealing with the unknown about, is this deen authentic, then you have to make extra active steps to go through. And come to my office and we can talk about it in more detail. But, again, I have to remind you, this does not make you something bad. Because Allah Ta'ala himself is addressing this. And then, one of the last things of the unknown, which actually should be at the top of our list, you and I already know, what is going to happen to me on the other side? Think about how real the Day of Judgment is for you or is not. And it's a very simple test. Is the Day of Judgment as real for me as seeing you sitting in front of me? For most of us, as well as myself, the answer is probably no. Is the Day of Judgment as real for me as what I know is outside of this wall? For most of us, the answer is probably no. Is the Day of Judgment as real for me as what I think about what will happen tomorrow? And if not that real, how about a year from now? Because think about when you imagine yourself a year from now, it starts becoming more and more imaginary. So what am I asking you is how real is the Day of Judgment in your consciousness? Because how real it is will affect how concerned you are about it. I mean, we all say we believe in the Day of Judgment, but if in your consciousness, if you're honest with yourself, it's essentially a dreamlike state, it's kind of imaginary, then you're not going to have a sense of urgency about it. Okay. Which means, because what are we saying? We're saying heaven, which is better than anything I can imagine, I'm really taking it as imaginary. Hell, which is worse than anything I can imagine, I'm taking it as imaginary. Okay. So do this as an exercise. Try to see these things as real, even if... You have to go through dunya we exercises. So if you're imagining hell, imagining you have a stove, you turn on the, 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 the flame, and you put your hand in it. That, every one of us can imagine the feeling, and imagine hell like that. And if you're trying to imagine paradise, think of what is the most pleasurable experience that you've had in your life. Or something as simple as when you get to see the bright sun and it makes you feel good. Yeah. And use these as ayahs, as indicators, as reminders to start making the Day of Judgment real. But my default state for my future in dunya should be what? Rahmah. Trust that I will have the Rahmah of Allah, but my akhirah I have to earn. Right? There's a narration in our tradition about Jesus, peace be upon him, or Isa alayhi salam. Jesus is saying, look at all these people. They're working so hard for dunya. Dunya is provided for them, but they're not working for their akhirah. And if you look in the first half of Al-Baqarah, where Allah Ta'ala is speaking to the children of Israel, he's saying that he, they were given this, and they were given this, and they were given this, but for akhirah, you have to earn it. They were given every luxury of dunya, but akhirah, you have to earn it. So take this exercise, because... 
the day of judgment, the unknown might be what is going to happen to me, but I have to work to make the event of the day of judgment known. And as a step towards doing that, look at the things that you take as known and look at them as reminders or as steps about the coming of the day of judgment or what will happen. So with that, my beloved brothers and sisters, we spoke about four unknowns and how to deal with them. One is the unknown of my future, that I should try to convince myself to have trust, that I will get through whatever Allah Ta'ala will give me, and I will be given rahmah, and proof of that for me is all the stuff that I've already made it through in life. Right? I'm looking at this room, and I know many of your stories. We have people in this room who are refugees, who are refugees when they're younger. We have people in this room who are cancer survivors at your age. We have people in this room who've lost siblings. We have people in this room who've lost parents. And think of those horrendous tests that you've gone through, because you'll go through more, but as proof you've gone through those, you can make it through the future. And then the second unknown after the future is what is in someone else's heart. Convince yourself that inshallah, whatever is taking place and people are saying about you or doing against you, you're gonna be fine. Okay? And frankly, when someone is backbiting you, they're handing over all their good deeds to you anyway. Right? So sometimes I get tempted. Like uh, I was showing some students this one Facebook page where people by name are attacking me and there's this temptation in me to let them keep doing it so I can get all of their good deeds. Right? Maybe that's not as friendly, but Allah knows best. So my point is, that's the second unknown. The third unknown is, how do I deal with the unknowns that I have about my deen? For that, I have to take active steps. And we can talk about them in the office. And fourth, my day of judgment. What will happen to me? I should have equal amounts of trust and equal amounts of hope. That there's a teaching attributed to Imam al-Ghazali that I've shared before, that if you were to find out that only one person out of all of humanity is going to hell, you should be afraid that that's you. And if you were to find out only one person in all of humanity is going to heaven, you should have hope that that's you. Meaning you should have the balance of hope and fear about your akhirah. Because every one of us has done wrong, but every one of us has also done good, and proof of that is that you're sitting right here. But you have to make the judge, day of judgment real, and that takes active steps also. Okay. So with that, I remind you of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what Allah Ta'ala says about him in the Quran, the paraphrased translation is, indeed, indeed, indeed. Allah and his angels send blessings upon the Prophet. O you who believe, send blessings upon him. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi, ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. O oh Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family, and upon his companions, and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana, wa fil akhirati hasana, wa qina adhab nar Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life, and the best of the hereafter, and protection from the fire. And do the same for all of our siblings, and our parents, and our descendants, and our family members, and our extended family members, and everyone in this room, and everyone who's walked into this room. Ya Allah, because you are able to do all. And for those of us who are struggling with this tension in our hearts, Ya Allah, please help us wash that tension out of our hearts, or guide us on how to do that. 
سبحان ربك رب العزة يما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين أقيم الصلاة